Welcome to Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rock Star. This is chapter 17 called Ch Trade Show Chops. There are certain cats who get famous for being musicians' musicians. These are the players who are so gifted, flashy, or spectacular that the other instrumentalists aspire to be like them. There's a whole circuit of players who are well known on niche recordings, in players' magazines, and at industry trade shows. These players have developed a skill I call trade show chops. They can sit down at a manufacturer's booth at a gear expo on a crowded convention center floor with an instrument in their hands and play unaccompanied. They will inevitably do something so flashy and fast that it will make everyone at the else, else at the show want to stop what they're doing and watch the performer. Usually this is something highly technical to execute, very flamboyant, showy, loud, and impressive to the average musician. Once these skills have been developed over years of practice, it's possible to turn them into a full-time career, making paid appearances at trade shows, demonstrating instruments in music stores, performing at clinics, appearing in specialty magazines, and writing and selling instructional books and videos. The only drawback to having chops like this is getting an actual gig in a real band. With a few exceptions of virtuoso bands, usually led by the chopsy musician in question, most sidemen gigs require functionality collaboration with and support of other singers and musicians. When playing in an, an, an ensemble format, if one cat is furiously shredding away on his axe, it will cause the other players to turn to him and say, dude, what's up? It is possible to have tremendous chops and also have the well-developed taste to know that mostly they're not to be used. But once that waterfall has been turned on, it's quite difficult to turn it back off again. It's also a common cop-out to claim I'm a groove player, meaning that the player isn't interested in the super chops because the true music is made by just laying back in the pocket and playing simply. simply. I use this cop-out a lot. I never develop trade show chops. I enjoy ensemble playing, especially as a bass player. But I respect and admire the cats who can just sit down by themselves and shred something interesting. It's even more impressive when it's on a less traditional solo instrument like a bass. In actual, actual fact, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. The best overall musicians are those who have tremendous facility and command of their instruments and the good sense to know when and where not to show off. Imagine now a musical trade show with dozens or hundreds of manufacturers showcasing their latest models. Imagine hundreds to thousands of eager music store owners, trade magazine journalists, and consumers all dying to get their hands on the newest piece of kit, the redesigned guitar the shiniest new finished drum set, the latest synthesizer with the newest sound patches, and the latest custom-made bass. Imagine, if you can, the sound of up to a thousand instruments all playing in the same room at once. Oh no, I don't mean in the sense of a symphony orchestra where everyone is a master of their individual instrument, all of them in tune with everyone else, and all playing the same compositional masterpiece in perfect concert. Oh no, not that. Imagine countless perpetual adolescents desperately slashing away at instruments that aren't even in tune with themselves, instruments over which they hold little to no mastery, yet desperately hope to appear that they do, instruments capable of making gorgeous artistic statements, but equally capable of generating the most agonizing catawall known to man or beast. Imagine a thousand people playing a thousand different songs on a thousand different instruments. Even if each individual performance is being beautifully executed and perfectly in tune like a thousand phonographs all with their needles playing beautifully pro produced vinyl, by the time all of them are going simultaneously, quite a cacophony has been generated. Some trade shows even have sound police with decibel meters in hand 
penalizing manufacturers who have noise coming from their booths over a certain label level. This helps the overall crush of eardrums quite a bit, but even a thousand cats playing quietly is a hell of a noise when it all adds up. As I said, I've never developed trade show chops. I've been asked at different times to appear at instrument, instrument manufacturers booths to demonstrate the equipment, talk about my experiences with the gear in real world settings, and generally to be some sort of artistic ambassador for the company for the day. These invitations also allow me to see all the other new gear from all the exhibitors, as well as to enjoy the schmooze fest that these trade shows invariably become. There's another phenomenon, phenomenon I have identified that I call trade show schmoozing, which involves a combination of asking questions like, so, what gigs are you doing now? Which is immediately followed by, hey, who's playing the instrument played by the person who's asking the question on that gig? The answer I always want to give and occasionally do is, not you apparently, Hopefully this is done uh, in a good heartedly enough way to keep to help prevent the next inevitable question from the musician, hey, get me on that gig. Trade show schmoozing also involves exchanges like this. Dude, how's it going? As the guy looks past dude's face over dude's right shoulder. Man, I haven't seen you in, since that gig in Singapore. Looks past dude, this time over dude's left shoulder. We gotta get together and play it again soon, man. That gig was a blast. Sees more famous dude over less famous dude's right shoulder. Seriously, dude, send me an email. Make sure I have your number. Scoots off towards more famous dude to get a selfie and begin the same exchange again. Repeat ad nauseum. It's exhausting. It's fun to see everyone and to try to pull out, try out all the new shiny toys, but it's tiring, cacophonous, and very loud. One particular trade show I attended was a bass-specific show. All basses, bass amps, bass strings, bass magazines, bass effects pedals, bass t-shirts, and lots and lots of bass players. Though it was smaller than some of the larger trade shows, there were still easily 100 kids actively playing basses all in the same room at the same time. Trade show chops for bass players almost always involved the slap and pop technique played with the thumb and index finger. It's percussive, it's flashy, it's rhythmic and loud. It, can, it, it, it allows 100 kids to simultaneously imagine that they are Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flea can fill a stadium with sound all by himself pretty well, so imagine how eye-crossing 100 kids all flailing away on basses at the same time must sound. The company I was showing gear for that day, Warrior Instruments, makes gorgeous custom-designed basses out of beautiful exotic hardwoods. They do tremendous work. Some of the basses have ornate, ornate mother-of-pearl inlays, high-fidelity onboard electronics, and even LED fret dots that uh, illuminate the neck of the bass on dark stages. One of the showpieces for this company's display was a hyper-extended range nine-string bass. It was a beast. It had a very wide fingerboard necessary to accommodate all of the strings and weighed a ton. While I've met people who actually do play such instruments, this one was designed to be as much of a conversation piece and a curiosity to get people into the booth as anything else. Uh, a standard Fender bass guitar has four strings on it. Most, bass, most players use standard four-gauge, four-string basses uh, in most applications. There's a significant number of players who regularly, regularly use five-string basses that have one additional lower string than the standard Fender. This low B string can range from thunderous to just plain flatulent, depending on the player and the instrument. There's even a smaller yet more dedicated number of musicians who swear by six-string basses. These have one extra lower string and one extra higher string than the standard Fender. This custom-made nine-string bass had the standard Fender 4 plus three higher strings that took the instrument well up into the lead guitar range, but more significantly, it had two strings lower than the standard 4. 
Recall the potential flatulence just described of a bass having only one string below a standard. The low B string on a five string emits a, a pitch vibrating at only 30 hertz or cycles per second. The Warrior Builders had added another bridge cable side string below that, tuned to a theoretically yet arguably imperceptible low F sharp. This creates a piece of steel oscillating at a mere 17 hertz. Human hearing is said to be only practical down to 20 hertz, with occasional frequencies being perceptible down to about 12 hertz in ideal laboratory conditions. A low F sharp is somewhere down in the blue whale or earthquake range. Is it musical? There's some understandable debate about this. Not to mention the fact that most consumer stereo listening equipment is incapable of recreating these tones, even if you were to successfully record them. It would be of questionable business sense to write and record music that would actively destroy the playback equipment of the consumer. This would allow for very limited repeat business. Also at the same trade show in the very next booth to Warrior Instruments was a great and successful bass amplifier company called Galleen Kruger, aka GK. Bob Galleen himself was there that day with his brand new 1000 watt bass amplifier. This was probably the first year that the number 1000 had ever been written in, in the, on the front of any bass amplifier. Keep in mind that the Marshall guitar amps that Jimi Hendrix played out of were only 100 watts each. Even if he had two or three of them going, he still wasn't up to 1000 watts. We won't get into The Who and their stadium-sized walls of amps. Even those stacks were still just multiples of 100 watts or so each. Here I was standing between a 9-string bass and a 1000 watt bass amp. Clearly, all I needed was an instrument cable at this point. I asked Bob Galleon if he minded me blowing up his new amp. I meant this partially as a joke, though I am actually hard on amps and have blown up a lot of them. I also meant it as a friendly challenge to the ego and reputation of a well-known design engineer with a successful line of products. Bob said, you won't blow it up. Not meaning that he knew for a fact that I was not a miscreant bent on destroying his product, but rather implying that he was confident in the performance of his new earth-shattering, drummer-crushing doomsday device. Challenge accepted. I plugged the 9-string bass into the 1,000-watt amp. I turned the volume all the way up. I hit one single low F-sharp note that sent a standing wave of rumbling sound through the building like a sustained clap of thunder. For a brief few seconds, over a hundred kids who were busy furiously flailing away like little jackhammers on as many bases stopped what they were doing and all turned their heads in unison like groundhogs to look at the source of this rumble. For one brief instant the hall was silenced like Billy the Kid had just walked into the, to the dry gulch saloon. While I don't have and will probably never develop trade show chops, for a fleeting moment in time I was the dude who played the low F sharp that stopped the world.